0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Capitol complex is more like a ghost town during the holidays. It is, however, a very brief respite. They'll be back with a vengeance in a few days. Enjoy it while you can. Today on Sunrise, Donald Trump signs a new law providing harsher penalties for animal cruelty. The prime sponsors for the bipartisan bill are Florida men. A new audit says the Florida Department of Law Enforcement is doing a really bad job accounting for all the people they fly around the state, but FDLE says that doesn't really matter and they're not doing anything improper. The guy who lost the governor's race in 2018 is donating $150,000 to the Florida Democratic Party to try to flip some of the House seats in districts that he carried last year. A Miami lawmaker files the Florida Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. The idea behind it is for businesses to make reasonable accommodation for their pregnant employees. Today on Sunrise, we say adios to the 2019 hurricane season. It was the fourth worst on record, but Florida dodged the bullet this time around. We'll also have your calendar of events, what little there is, plus our ongoing reports on Florida Man, who reminds us that not all superheroes wear capes. Some of them are just trying to get into strip clubs. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, November 27th. An animal cruelty bill championed by two congressmen from Florida is signed into law by the president. The measure, sponsored by U.S. Representatives Vern Buchanan and Ted Deutsch, strengthens a federal ban on animal crushing videos approved almost 10 years ago. Now, that old law prohibits creation or distribution of videos that show animals being killed or seriously injured, but it did not deal with the underlying problem of animal abuse. PACT, which is short for Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act, changes that. These offenses used to be handled by state laws, but animal abuse is now a federal crime. Violators face fines, a prison term of up to seven years, or both. State auditors say the Florida Department of Law Enforcement failed to report the names of passengers flying on aircraft operated by the state, so there's no way to tell if they were traveling on official state business. FDLE reported 310 flights, with a total of more than 1,300 passengers during the first half of the year, but it did not record the names of those passengers or whether they were traveling on official business. The agency claims it only allows passengers on its aircraft for law enforcement mission flights and to provide security and transportation for the governor and the governor's immediate family. But auditors point pointed out that just because a person is authorized to travel with the governor or his family while on state business does not inherently constitute state business. So if you're wondering why the state's top law enforcement agency is also running an air shuttle service, you can blame that on former Governor Rick Scott, who abolished the state air pool and used his own private jet to get around. Governor Ron DeSantis doesn't have the sort of coin it takes to buy his own airplane, so FDLE had to pick up the slack. They're negotiating to buy a new plane for the governor. The price will be somewhere in the neighborhood of $15 million. Andrew Gillum's Forward Florida Political Committee announces it will invest one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the Florida Democratic Party House Victory Caucus. Gillum says they are trying to flip Florida from red to blue next year by targeting districts in the state House of Representatives that he carried during the governor's race last year. Those donations come after Florida politics Jacob Ogles reported that the former Tallahassee mayor and 2018 Democratic nominee for governor spent $1.5 million since the election, with apparently few gains in voter registration. Back in March, Gilliam unveiled a plan to register one million more Florida voters before the 2020 election, but Democrats have only added about 10,000 voters over the past year. A state lawmaker from Miami files what she calls the Florida Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. Representative Dottie Joseph says her bill will support families and promote public health by ensuring that pregnant women receive accommodations to stay healthy at work. She says it provides meaningful guidance to employers about reasonable accommodation needed by pregnant women, things like, well, sometimes little things, like being able to sit more often or carry a bottle of water with them at work. 27 states have already passed similar laws next up we bid farewell to the hurricane season of 2019 it was one of the most active in years but florida dodged the bullet this is sunrise from floridapolitics.com a lot of people give their opinions on politics and not just the talking heads on cable news everyone has an opinion sometimes a gentleman's wager can be the best way to tell how much someone believes their own spin that's why you should check out what predicted is doing predict it is like the stock market but for politics. Instead of buying and selling oil futures, you can buy and sell shares in everything from who the Democratic nominee will be to if the president will be impeached. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predicted.org slash promo F-L-A-P-O-L. hurricane season comes to an end Saturday, and state officials are breathing a sigh of relief because 2019 will go down on the records as the season of the big scare that Florida avoided. Irma trashed the peninsula back in 2017. Michael obliterated a wide swath of the panhandle in 2018. Then it looked as though Hurricane Dorian would deliver a knockout punch back in September, but Division of Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says Florida got lucky.
1: 11 days of, of- You know, what we were looking at, the the strongest storm ever to to threaten that coast of the state of Florida. Uh, The division was uh, extremely well prepared, uh, but obviously, you you know, we we got spared, uh, but at the expense of our friends uh, in the Bahamas. Uh, And you, you don't have to, if you look at the pictures in the Bahamas, there would have been areas of the state of Florida that would have looked the same because our building code is not meant for 185 mile an hour sustained winds or 220 mile an hour gusts. Uh, and so we ran a what was the largest logistics operation pre-storm that we had ever run, and not just us but all of our, our, our private uh, and semi-public private partners as well. FPL had the largest mission that they had ever run, 25,000 Uh, Pieces of equipment deployed all over the state of Florida and that is one change that we've made we were pre-positioning things Beforehand we weren't waiting for the counties or the cities to tell us what they need after landfall We know what they're gonna need based on history. They're gonna need generators. They're gonna need pumps. They're gonna need food They're gonna need water and so we were pre-positioning that and gobbling those resources from inside the state, but outside the state so that we didn't have any delay. But additionally, we wanted to be smart. We wanted to be able to plus up and plus down because if you all recall, remember, this storm was gonna come across the mountains of Hispaniola and it was gonna get destroyed. And then it was gonna be uh, just to the west of Puerto Rico and it was gonna be weakened. And then it went to the east of Puerto Rico. It didn't interact with land at all. Uh, and then you know it sat for 36 hours, uh, literally, it stopped. It stopped for the required amount of time that it needed for that upper high to dissipate and for the trough to come and pick it in like divine intervention and just move uh, 90 degrees uh, north. Uh, And so because the situation kept changing and because we had the time, which is really different in a lot of storms, we had 11 days of planning, obviously they didn't have that in Michael, we were constantly refining our procurement processes. And why is that important? Well, at the height of the event when we thought uh, Dorian was going to hit, the division had encumbered about $143 million. When we realized that there was a chance that it was going to turn away, remember first it was going to come across the the peninsula and then wind up in the Gulf, and then it was going to go kind of up the spine of Florida, similar to Irma, but in a different spot. And then it was going to ride the 95 corridor, and then there was a chance it wasn't going to hit. We were constantly changing our procurement. Instead of procuring things for 30 days, we were procuring things by the week. So that way, if we didn't need them, we could get rid of them. And by doing that, Uh, Had we stayed with the 30-day contract, we would have encumbered $143 million uh, even after the event. But by changing our procurement, uh, the division spent a total now of $44 million, just saving $99 million. And and the good news is that was part of our argument to FEMA on why that uh, should be reimbursed. Uh, And we just got the major declaration. Uh, just the other day. And so the federal government is going to pay for 75% of that, along with the 12 counties uh, that have hit their threshold uh, and have been declared. There are additional counties that are working on putting together the paperwork so that can be submitted. uh, And if they hit their threshold, we will submit that to FEMA uh, for uh, reimbursement. One of the things we did at the EOC uh, is that we brought in more private partners than ever before. We had Uber, we had Walmart, we had Publix, we had all the major telecom companies there, we had all the major power companies there. We want private industry uh, in the building because it's better to communicate with them and coordinate. Getting a Walmart open in a community could be the lifeblood. And so while that does, you don't think that should be maybe the division or the government's responsibility, there are things that we do that get in the way of Walmart reopening. And so having that communication and that coordination uh, is extremely, uh, extremely important.
0: Dorian only did about $19 million worth of damage here in Florida. Compare that to Hurricane Michael the year before, where losses added up to more than $7 billion. For Governor Ron DeSantis, it was an answer to his prayers.
1: You know, I did a trade mission to Israel in May, and uh, we prayed at the Western Wall, and my prayer, written prayer, was for no hurricanes. Um, When Dorian was bearing down on Florida, a lot of people said, "Uh, God, don't listen to the governor. Well, Well, have you ever seen a hurricane stop on a dime and go 90 degrees to the north? That's all I'm saying, so we got lucky.
0: Those last three words, we got lucky, are probably the best description of Florida's hurricane season. There were 18 named storms, making it the fourth most active season since they started keeping records. But from Florida's perspective, it was the lightest storm season in the past four years. Your calendar of events today, let's just say not much. The Florida Supreme Court is scheduled to release its regular weekly opinions at 11 o'clock this morning, and that is it for the day. State offices are closed on Thursday, and they're closed on Friday for the Thanksgiving holiday. Our podcast is also taking a break. But on Saturday, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is holding one of those license-free fishing days. means you'll be able to go saltwater fishing without buying licenses, and that applies to residents and visitors alike. And time now for a Thanksgiving edition of Florida Man, who knows what he wants and isn't afraid to go for it, no matter who may be watching. A Florida man is accused of assaulting a guy who told him to stop masturbating in public. Police say 33-year-old Kerry Vandergriff had his pants down when an elderly gentleman told him to cut it out. Vandergriff responded with a punch and continued to wail on the guy even after he was down on the ground. Police say Vandergriff was intoxicated, so they took him to a hospital where he continued to masturbate in front of officers and the medical staff. He is charged with a decent exposure, battery, and disorderly intoxication. Finally, two Florida women are suing a strip club that refused to admit them because they were not escorted by a man. And they have the whole thing on video. One of the women who filed the lawsuit told WESH News in Orlando that she was a regular at Rachel's Adult Entertainment on South Orange Avenue, but in her previous visits, she'd always been there with a man. The woman had sued Rachel's for discrimination under Orange County's Human Rights Ordinance, but a judge dismissed the suit, saying the county rule is preempted by the State Civil Rights Act. The women are now appealing the dismissal, and several cities, including Delray Beach and Miami Beach, have filed briefs in support of the women's lawsuit. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. We're back again Monday morning. Until then, have a wonderful Thanksgiving.